0: We're losing!
1: Teamwork, guys, more teamwork. They're work. burying
0: us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. It's old-time hockey? Piss on
2: old-time
3: hockey! You're
0: blowing it! And now, Between the Stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast.
4: Here's Art and Caleb. God damn it, we're back. Caleb Kirby, Art Aronson here. Yeah? Between the Stammers. Good to be back, man. Off
2: after two, I don't know. Two months off? Yeah. Close to. Close, close to two to months. Two we've, months been off. we've been slacking. We've been slacking on the summer. Yeah. But I had great summers. Yeah. My summer was fantastic. Yours? Yeah, it was pretty good.
4: Yeah. It's good. Uh and to help us get back into the groove, we brought a guest on the show. You know him as the voice of the Victoria Royals in the WHL on the zone at ninety one three. He's Marlon Martins. Marlon, thanks for joining us, man. Hey fellas. Glad to be here. After all those free plugs he gave us on the air, we gotta you know, help him out a That's little right. bit, right? Yeah, yeah. And
2: and by the way, Marlon has already set the new standard for a guest. Comes in, brings brewhaws right away. It's a special treat. It's a great treat. Well, and you know what? Like. We should be giving you beers, not the other way around. Yeah, You're taking some that. time out to come and join us, and we're reaping all the benefits here with these delicious Phoenix Gold loggers.
0: I don't know. You guys are going to be throwing your beers at me after <laughs> I open my mouth a couple more times. Yeah. I don't
4: think so, Marlon. So here's what's happened in the last little while. For the first month and a half of our vacation, really nothing,
2: right? Well, don't make it sound like we took it together. Well, we did.
4: We're between the stammers. Yeah, you just made it sound like we
2: went somewhere, like, romantic or something. No, we we had separate summers. They were great, but nothing really happened. You're right. Well, in terms of Vancouver Canuck
4: news, but really, we hit the jackpot because the Vancouver Canucks came here to our backyard to do their training camp, and they also had a preseason game here, and that's all wrapped up now. We got to some—for some reason, they allowed us into the building— yeah. To, Big mistake. Yeah. So we got to uh, witness some practices, scrimmages, and the preseason game. And Marlon was there as well. Yeah. So to have all three of us here to be able to talk about the Canucks well, ahead of this season.
2: There was Art Aronson. There was Marlon Martins. And there was Caleb Kirby. Yeah, I don't Did you know see that I don't there know. Was,
0: a- was, was that my fault? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Typo on the media pass. Yeah, typo on the media pass. Khaled. I thought it, you know, had to do with uh, maybe um, Superman or something like that. Right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's that attention to detail from yeah. the Vancouver Canucks wow. that we love so much.
4: <laughs> All right. Well, on this episode of Between the Stammers, we're obviously going to talk about the preseason game we just saw. We're recording this on a Monday, September 16th. Uh it's 10:47 pm so uh we've all had a long day
2: burning the midnight oil
4: so yeah uh and we're also going to talk about the biggest news in Canucksland, land which was obviously brock besser's contract signing uh that was announced today seriously we walked into save on foods memorial center in victoria and uh we got the news right at, right right at pregame pretty much so that was cool to be able to go down and talk to jim benning too who was in the building and ready to talk to media about it
0: yeah
2: Yeah. and by the way big shout out to uh, adam mckinnon too who works for the royals was able to get us these passes to the training camp all access in training camp and then uh to this hockey game as well it was fantastic it was a great job by him and uh you know we really reaped some benefits that a lot of people and a lot of podcasts would kill to have it's true so it's big shout out to him
4: so here we are our season two premiere episode we get to talk about Brock Besser, who agreed to a three-year, $17.625 million contract with the Canucks. It's an annual average value of $5.875 million per year. The 22-year-old was a restricted free agent, had 56 points in 69 games with the Canucks last season. He missed the first three days of practice at training camp with the Canucks. And of course, this uh, the two split squad games that happened tonight's... Um, Thoughts right there, guys.
0: Bo Horvat, pretty excited about it. Talked to him after the game, uh, the exhibition game tonight, right? Uh, He texted Brock a couple times. He didn't want to over-text him and and flood his gates, uh, so to speak, about it. But uh, just excited to get him back into training camp, you know, before it gets too far into the season, before we have a Michael Nylander situation, before, yeah. you know, things get too far out of progress. I mean, you saw guys at camp that we didn't come uh, maybe prepared uh, or didn't know about a Travis Green training camp and how hard it is and uh, to be brought up to speed. Brock knows what that's all about, how fast is he now going to be able to get brought up to speed. But um, let's get into the, the nitty-gritty of this detail and why do you guys think it took Maybe this long to get it done. Was it the term? Was it the amount? The dominoes were dropping with the uh, RFAs, uh, you know, around the league connect me earlier today. Yeah. And uh, so I think the the Canucks did all right with the amount. Yes. The term is, in, I believe, investor's favor. Oh, 100%. And and the term
2: the term makes sense to be investor's favor too. And I mean, there were rumors flying around of, of the Canucks offering a, a 7 mil for. 6 seasons which he him and his camp shut down right but um it's it's one of those things where like the amount of money that these teams are going to be able to have the cap is going to go up right Bessers knows that besser's agent knows that and after 3 years he's going to be able to ask for more money on a longer term deal uh 3 years i think is good term though like he's still going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this and that helps this organization a lot he's not going to be able to just walk away you know, if if there was something. And I think that was a big sticking point in this deal was Benning was, was just scared to spend, uh, go to four. And then obviously if it was a shorter deal, they have to re-sign guys like Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes coming up, and they might not have the money at that time. So I, I know that the Canucks were really pushing for that three-year if they couldn't lock him out long-term. I think it's a good deal. I mean, Besser, he hasn't played a season fully. He hasn't been healthy for a full season. But, like, we've all seen the potential. We've all seen that he can snipe um he's gonna be up there with petterson and uh i i think the canucks did it did it well today like that's this is a deal that needed to happen everybody in canucks land was nervous about this i think it was solid uh let's hear gm jim benning talking about it this
4: evening
3: well i, th- I think it was important for him and for us um, you know training camp we have a lot of new players this year going into the season and I think you know the fact that we can get you know them all in together and start working with each other, and um, to, you know helps with the fit of you know learning how to play with different players. And I think Travis might uh, start Brock out with Petey and uh, Furland, and you know, so they're going to have a new room, a new line mate. So you know that that getting used to process and playing in exhibition games, I think, is going to go a long way. And and you know we want him. Up and going, so he's ready for the start of the season. So it was important to get it done now. You
4: talk to him. So yep, Jim Benning saying it was important to get it done now. Obviously, this was like hanging over camp for me, not just as a fan, but in the media. You know, everybody was talking about it. Now I feel like the Canucks' season can start.
2: I think right? it was on the players' minds too, man. Mm-hmm. Like when when Petey first arrived here, they were asking him, like, "Is Besser going to get signed?" And he was like. I'll drive to Minnesota and pick him up if I have to. Like, we got to get this guy on our team because he is that valuable to to this organization moving forward. So to get this done now um, while there's still time for, for camp and for uh, some exhibition games and everything like that, I think the Canucks can all breathe a sigh of relief and then all, all of us fans obviously can do the same thing.
4: Did you guys have any doubt in your mind that they wouldn't get something done before the start of the season?
0: Well, the longer it was going, the... You know, that impending thought keeps growing in the back of your head about how bad is this? You Why is he not at camp to begin with? right? Yeah,
4: you don't want him to be the next William Nylander. Remember what happened last year with William Nylander and the Toronto Maple Leafs? Like, he went half the season without playing,
2: pretty much. Today was definitely the day that I was the most nervous about it. Like, even waking up this morning, I'm like, man, they got to sign this guy. Like, it has to happen. Yeah. And for it to break today was just such good news before that game started
0: how about during the exhibition game when they put the graphic up and yeah. uh, all the highlight clips and uh, the roar from the crowd you could just is a big sense of relief and that uh, elephant in the room just took care of that i mean during the weekend training camp the media uh, surrounding travis green talking to players they really didn't approach that area they they didn't talk much about it they didn't ask many questions about it i know it was dealt with thursday in vancouver before they came over from the the, the brass department but other than that but again what what, what are the players going to say of yeah. course they all want them there they want to and try not to be a distraction but uh the big sense of relief and you're like you're right they can now put all that behind them get him here get him on the ice get that first media scrum with him yeah. o- and over with. And and hopefully his conditioning is there. And hopefully it's not going to take him that long to get back up to speed.
2: That's the one thing I actually do have a bit of concern with because last year when Brock came in, he was noticeably thicker. He was a bigger guy. But even he admitted, um, because, I mean, he, he obviously didn't finish his, his season uh, with that back injury, but he even said it took him a while to get back up to speed. And I'm kind of wondering this year, like, I, I thought last year, by the end of last season, that was the best Brock Besser I've ever seen. Even if the goal totals weren't as high as as we were used to, I thought he was more of a complete player out there. And and that was the Brock Besser that I was hoping to see uh report to the Canucks this year. He, that guy could still be out there, but like I do have a bit of of, of a concern myself with, you know. Uh, when guys do hold out on contracts are they going to be in shape are they going to be up to speed the beauty league I don't think is one of those things where <laughs> the guys are as in shape as they would be if they reported to camp and and went through what Travis Green just put these guys through It
4: was starting to get a little nasty too i I, I feel like it everybody was just hopeful that it would get it would happen but I, I started to feel a little bit from the fans as well that, like, why hasn't this guy signed? Does he just want too much money? Like, there was that rumor going out there that he had uh, he had turned down a seven-year, $42 million contract, yeah. and, you know, I think a lot of fans were like, why would he do that? That seems very reasonable for it's a guy who hasn't played a full season, right?
0: Yeah, for signing less than that per average per year on a much lesser yeah. term. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the bridge deal is good. It's better
2: for him and it makes more sense. And I don't think it'll harm harm the Canucks too much moving forward. Um, and and obviously Brock's a confident guy. He has confidence in, in his abilities and he'll probably produce to earn him, earn him more money, barring some unforeseen circumstance. But like, yeah. Uh,
0: unforeseen. Isn't this knock on wood the most healthiest you've seen the Canucks? Yeah. In, in a long time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent
4: for yeah. sure. Uh, bro- Jim Benning did talk about uh, a short-term deal versus a long-term deal.
3: Well, I think you know these RFAs are looking for shorter-term deals. Um, you know, so we, you know, we we looked at trying to do a longer-term deal, but at the end of the day. Um, you know, I guess doing a shorter-term deal, put some responsibility back on him now to come in and have three three good years. And then, you know, we'll try to get him uh, signed long-term after that.
4: Was that the seven-year deal that was rumored?
3: Yeah, we talked about, uh, you know, longer-term deals and then, and then a bridge deal.
2: Man, who is that intrepid sports reporter asking the tough questions in there? <laughs> it's tough to get a question <laughs> in with some of those reporters, though, right? Oh, yeah. Great question, though, man, because uh, until you asked that, it was pretty much a rumor, and then addressing it head on, I thought that was really cool.
4: Yeah.
2: So Uh, nice work, Art. The only problem with the short-term bridge
4: deal is we have to go through this again,
2: right? Yeah. There's the business side of hockey, though. I mean, this is going to continue for – there's going to be a lot more of this, you know, especially with guys when you have the talent – on the team that you have now, there's going to be a lot more worry, I think, in this land for locking some of these guys up.
0: But it puts a pressure on Brock Besser. Yeah. He now needs to perform. I mean, if he wants the money at the end of this three years and he needs to, you know, put in more more games, put up that uh, point per game average over a longer span. And now it's more on him instead of, oh, if you get him for a six-year, seven-year deal, guys can kind of come and go. It just, you know what I mean? The, that kind of Louis
2: erickson comes to mind
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we got to watch a lot of him tonight didn't we yeah
4: okay yeah and that's that's a good segue actually so there was a split squad game tonight in victoria there was one game in calgary as well uh this is at the end of the the preseason or the training camp sessions that we saw here in victoria uh let's just talk about the game we just saw though uh Louis Erickson got a lot of play out there. You guys must have noticed that. Like he was out there a lot, whereas all the other veteran players, they were they you know, Horvat got a shift here and there. But I think Louis Erickson is having to fight for a job here. And I think that's really evident.
2: That was a that was a show me line for sure that Green yeah. put together with Levo, Goddard, and Erickson. And I think for a a major portion of that game, they didn't do too much. The the Canucks as a whole tonight I thought kind of came out a little bit flat. Yeah, if you missed the game,
4: the Canucks—they uh, were trailing four-one or four nothing at one point. I think in this game, right? Four was it four-one or four nothing? Either way, they ended up losing four-three. They made a last-ditch effort there in the third period to try and t- tie it up, and they almost did. Yeah. Uh, but they really didn't wake up until the third quarter and or third period, third quarter. That's my Is it football mind. mode. Oh yeah, yeah. football mode. Get yeah. NFL picks in. Yeah, yeah. Get them in. <laughs> uh, I I I thought that the
2: Canucks looked a little tired tonight. Did they not? Yeah, and I mean that can be a byproduct of a pretty vigorous camp, right? Like, I mean, we were present on cap watching these guys get bag skated on Friday, and some of the some of the players, not just Jake Fortan, and by the way, everybody, some of the other players out there like Sven Barchi, Michael Ferlin, like they were doubled over and having a tough time with getting bag skated by Green. And I mean, you do that for three days, and then you go out and you got to play a game. Like, your body is going to be sore, and your energy level probably isn't going to be as high as maybe that coach wants wants it to be. But it's not for the veterans, and it's not for the guys who make the team. This type of test is for the guys who really want it, mm-hmm. right? This ty- this this game is a test for Adam Gaudet. Adam Gaudet got probably some the highest minutes on the Canucks tonight at a center ice position where he had to deliver. I don't think he met that that expectation from Green tonight. Louie, I thought, was one of the better players out there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Marlon, you've been
4: around teams and training camps and a lot, and you witnessed this entire you know four-day period pretty much here for the Canucks in Victoria. Did it seem like a really vigorous camp to you, and
0: talking with all the players and coaches and everything like that? It, it, it's, it was the pace, the pace at which Travis Green ran the camp. You know, and then having yes, that the bag skate at the end, but just the pace and the up tempo, and it's just a precursor of how he wants this team to play this this season. And uh, he he even mentioned that in a presser after one of those uh, one of those scrimmages. So the uh, the returning players they know what to expect. You look at a guy like Tim Schaller last year came in, didn't expect that, didn't get him off to the start mm-hmm. that he wanted, and the you know ended up fading out. Uh, so. He's come back. He, you know, there's guys that are are more prepared for this. Uh, Travis Green training camp, and guys can tell you that you need to be ready for this. But it, until you actually do it, it uh, <laughs> you, you're feeling it. Bo Horvat admitted even after the game, he goes by the third period, my legs were feeling it. Yeah. And here's a guy who's trained. He's ready. He's ready to to wear the C if they give it to him. And he was even admitting because we didn't see much of that, he had that limited line ice time in tonight the, too. In the yeah, third period, right? Yeah. So and then Lou Erickson. Not only did he play a shift, get double shift. Or not double shifted, but he played penalty kill. Yes, yeah, killing his penalties. Role. Him and Godet both, right? Yeah. They were both on that penalty. And field. then he had the wherewithal still to score a pretty goal in the game. So if you look at guys who need to come through <laughs> Front of the Net. Right. Where, Where was- <laughs> has that been the last three
4: seasons? Caleb Kirby's favorite player and between the stammer's favorite. <laughs> Louis Erickson shows up. I mean, he showed up, I think, because he got the most dice time.
2: Well, he- <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's just the greasy goals, right? Like, like that's what the Canucks have needed these last few seasons is that guy in front of the net who will take that rebound and get it in no matter what. And I, I thought Louie's goal was really – it was exemplary of that exact type of player that the Canucks have lacked these last few seasons. And I think it's a big reason why they went out and got Miller and why they went out and got Ferland because they need guys to battle down low and be able to go after those pucks. And then, of course, Louis shows up tonight and pops a goal that is pretty much the definition of that.
4: Guys, essentially when you look at the Canucks lineup, for me, there's like 17 players, 17 forwards, going for 13 spots on this team. And Louis Erickson obviously is one of them. Another guy who kind of made headlines at the beginning of this camp. And this was, I was going to maybe even lead with this if the Brock Besser news didn't come out but Jay Frantan had quite an up and down camp it started with the top headline i'd say day 1 was the fact that he wasn't out there playing with the regulars he was out there practicing with the ahlers you know he was relegated team. to the utica group yeah. the
0: group c to practice that day yeah because well, he came to camp, and according to head coach Travis Green, he d- didn't meet the goals that they had talked about uh, getting ready for camp. And, and I think Vertan admitted they were very, very – he was very, very close. However, the next morning, guess who's back? And guess who's running over, guys? Taking the net off. Yeah. Jake Vertanen. So uh, he had a chip on his shoulder. I think he, he was pretty pissed about it, but uh, he didn't let on that way. Didn't uh, want to meet with the media, I believe, on the day one. Mm-hmm. So – um, he took it in he took the bull by the horns so kudos to him he wasn't there but yes sir uh
4: so you asked or the media asked you were in the scrum you got this uh, clip from uh Travis Green here when he was asked about Jake vertanen on day one and why he was skating with the hLrs here's was Green's response there
1: uh there is um you know first of all with jake i I've, I've been with Jake a long time and uh I think he's a big part of our team, I think he's a big part of our future, so I don't want people to start reading into anything other than he wasn't in the groups today. Uh, Jake and I have had lots of conversation over the years, Um, met a few times over the summer met at the end of the season and and Jake wants to be better as well and and wants to progress as a player and uh, I want him to take a step even, you know, start to become a leader on the team and, um, you know, there are certain expectations that he wanted to to reach and I wanted him to reach. and uh, you know, we both agreed that those, there were goals that had to be met and if he didn't reach them, he probably wouldn't be with the, the first two groups on the first day of camp. And uh, There's nothing more than that. I'm not gonna get into it any more than that. Uh, again, I, I, got, I got a lot of uh, hope for Jake to, to be a real good player for our team. I thought he took a step last year and it's our job to develop players still and uh, make sure that he progresses and helps our team win down the road, but also progresses for himself as well.
4: So that just screams, and I know you're probably there in the scrum, Marlon, getting that audio going. What the hell were the targets that
0: he was supposed to meet? Yeah, we want specifics.
4: Yeah, like yeah. you can't just throw you're that not out gonna there and not get tell specific, us. Specific, Is man. this your
0: beep test? Is this a weight? Yeah. Is this what you know? Yeah. You got to wonder. I mean, we all talk about guys who have been to a Travis Green training camp prior being more prepared being ready for this time around and if they even met in the summer and gone over what those goals were it just baffles everybody's mind why he's not
2: ready but but i think yeah. i think you can't answer that question cuz he can't throw the player under the bus too hard right and 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 it's like even jake said he was close and when he said he was close i thought a lot of people in Canucks land kind of took that negatively like him being like a little bit cocky, like I was close and close is good enough, and I I don't think that's what he meant at all. And and uh, Jake has always been one of those guys, and like Travis has worked with Jake in Utica when he was coaching down there. The, I think they have a really healthy relationship, but I think Travis is a little harder on him at sometimes because he knows the potential and he sees things in Jake that he believes Jake could be doing better. And, and some guys you just gotta ride everybody gets motivated differently right and uh, I think Jake responds really really well to how Travis coaches him and tries to motivate him I mean like he he gets put down in that third group on Friday mm-hmm. like you said Marlon he comes back on Saturday Morning. and he is yeah and he's trucking guys and he's driving the net. I watched the scrimmage that game Bertanen was better throughout that scrimmage like second period he was in, in on the four check. He was hitting like he he looked pretty good. And then tonight, you know, out in Calgary, what did Jake Furtanen do? He's yeah. So yeah, that's
4: another thing we didn't mention tonight. There was two split squad split squad games, and the Canucks won one game in Calgary thanks to two goals from Jake Furtanen.
0: Both unassisted, one to tie, one in overtime. The overtime goal, he showed that poise. He pulled back, waited, waited, put a top corner. And that's a guy also playing in the, his hometown rink where he played junior with yeah. the Calgary Hitman. And he came through. So, Lou Erickson scores in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, Jake Vertanen scores in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Are, are we checking off some of the boxes of some guys who needed to step up and, and show things here? Oh,
2: I, I, I think without a doubt that those two guys needed to show something, right? and uh they both did tonight. I I think Louie had every opportunity to do so out there tonight. I think Godet did too and I don't think personally I don't think Godet really did enough. But um yeah, I don't know. Like what did you guys think of the game tonight? Well, before I get back, I, I still want to
4: finish <laughs> I just do want to finish on Fortanhi. Oh, okay. Because he got a lot of people upset by not by the, because it came out that this guy wasn't ready for training camp. Like, what are you doing? This you're a professional athlete. Now that's what it sounded like, and I think it was think a it lot was of it was spun the quote that way by the media though a little bit. Sure, but his quote also was, uh, yeah, I'm frustrated myself. I think anyone would be. I mean, I was right there, so it is what it is. And like I said, I'm not going to get be all pissy about it. I think that quote right there. I think you know people were like, what. Yeah, I was right there. You know, like it's it it, it, it upset people. Like I had text messages from my oh, friends, guys. No, like I multiple saw, text messages yeah. from my friends
2: going, "What the fuck? This guy's not ready to play. He's not ready to play. It's training yeah. camp. He's yeah. a professional I, athlete." I saw people freaking out on Twitter, being like, "I'm done with Jake 10. Yeah, like things like that. Right? And, well, and and I do think it was a little overblown. There was. There was people, like, reporting that he went for a drink of water during, like, the bag skate. It's like, oh, he's going
0: for water. <laughs> it's like,
2: it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> This y- wow. threatened to yeah. take over.
4: This threatened to be the biggest story yeah. of camp. It did. Yeah.
0: Right? What well, was the first story.
4: Yeah, it was the first story,
2: too. Yeah. yeah.
0: Outside of Ulevi, but uh, there's another one. Yeah, Ulevi's an interesting one, too. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Green also talked all about how he wants, you know, what did he say? He only got maybe 40 good games out of her last year. And, yeah. when, and when guys and when guys are first round draft picks in the NHL, that leash is so much longer than a second, third, fourth. Mm-hmm. Guys who make the team in their first year, Jake Vertan, remember he Willie shouldn't Desjardins. have though. He w- shouldn't. Him have. and Jared McCann in the yeah. dressing room, yeah. right? Yeah, and these guys get longer looks. The the optics of for a general manager to have your first round yeah. pick just get shuffled under the rug, it's not good.
2: Horvat opened the door for those two guys, though. Horvat came in. He put in the work. He did everything right, and he made the team out of camp. And then the following year, they come in with McCann and Vertanen. And I think it was more of like a PR stunt on the Canucks side to bring those guys in, probably when they weren't ready. You know, you look back on it now, and it's just like, I don't think Jake was even close.
0: He was young. He's raw. I mean, and he has learned a lot. We'll see if this sticks. Can he have this consistency? Can he bring this now? Is he going to be a, a bull in a china shop? Right. That's what he needs, That's what to, he be. needs to be. Yeah. In junior, he could just come screaming down the wing and score goals. His roles changed. Has he accepted the role that he needs to be and bring that consistency? He mentioned that injury though. That I thought was unique. Remember um, the the hit by Ryan Getzlaf. Right. That, yeah, came that, out. Set
4: him, that set him back yeah. at the end of last year. Right. For sure. It wasn't
0: a rib injury because he came out and the quote that he had was, you know, that injury with my collarbone or whatever. So that's what that was. Uh, he revealed that to a big group of smiles from, right. the, from the the staff. So he right. had some injury Yeah, he was dealing with. You know when the guys aren't doing everything they can when you're in the show, there's always hidden things that you don't hear about. True, for true. Sure. But a healthy Jake for Tannen... Should be picking up things and is he? Is he? Does he? If he plays like he did in exhibition, does he get third line? Where? will where? Where? Where do you guys see him fitting? I mean, you you look
2: at this team. Yeah, yeah, go. To to me, he's a key piece on this team, and I still do believe that. I mean, like last year, not only was the shotgun Jake movement amazing because it was, (laughs) and it was fun slugging beers and cheering the guy on, and I think it unified this fan base wanting to see more out of Jake VerTannum. But there was for for a while there in December. Like, late November, December, Vertanen was on fire. Like, there was that one point where he was, like, scoring so much that people were like, oh, he's easily going to get 20. He could even get 30. And then the the, the gets off thing happens, and he, and he finishes the season not as not as strong as, as he started the season. I think Vertanen could score over 20 goals this year if he gets put in a spot where he, he has those offensive opportunities. And uh, like you said, Marlon, third line to me makes a lot of sense. This team cannot come back this season with two offensive lines and two checking lines. That third line needs to be offensive. And if you get guys like Berchi and Vertanen on that third line, people who can score goals, that's what you need because these guys on the third line should be pushing for those top two spots the whole season. And it should be kind of a rotating door between that second line and that third line.
4: Yeah.
2: And I think, there's a logjam here. There's
4: a lot of forwards, man, and guys like Vertanen, Gaudette, Nikolai Goldobin, who we can talk about, yeah. uh, they're all pushing for a spot, and there's not many of them
2: here. You see that Goldobin back check tonight? He had one back check I tonight.
0: saw it. <laughs> it was good. It was a good pickup. I hadn't seen that last year. In um, his defense, he didn't spend much time in his own end, though. Yeah. Right? When yeah. he's out there, that puck needs to be in the offensive zone. It's true. But – it's interesting that you followed him defensively,
4: and that's interesting. You talk about also Jake Vertanen and how his relationship with Green and everything. It's interesting just to see how Travis Green, you know, he kind of like takes on these guys under their under his wing a yeah. little bit, like Goldobin and Vertanen, and it's just it's interesting how he deals with these guys, right? Yeah, and I think I he, he motivates them
2: different differently as well. And I and I really like some of the moves this season and last season to kind of insulate and help these players grow, right? I think Michael Ferland is going to be a good example for Jake Vertanen Let's talk on, about the, on, yeah. on how to play, yeah. Yeah. right? I thought Antoine Roussel coming in last year was another great uh guy who could mentor Jake and show Jake the role that he kind of needs to grow into on this team. Yeah. So so this type of stuff I think is really good for for the Canucks not only from a bonding perspective but also from a development perspective, for sure.
4: Let's talk about some of the new guys. Like we got a good look at some of these guys here in practice and scrimmage and everything like that. Of course, some of the new guys. Of course, J.T. Miller, uh, Michael Furlan, and Tyler Myers and Jordy Ben. What uh, stuck out when you guys? Uh, you know, we could go through each player, but is there one player that stuck out to you? Out well, just guys?
0: Michael Furlan. He yeah. had some finish. Remember Pedersen in that uh, that one scrimmage game? Flipped the puck up high, dropped down. Furlan races in, scores. Easy peasy. It was uh, that was really nice to see, and also how. Um, effective he is you know in on the forecheck and and the way that he can he can bust down in there and and go to work and uh, forget about 2015 a bit and maybe actually not forget it play the way you did in 2015 in the playoffs Mm -hmm. against the Canucks Mm -hmm. harness that that emotion and that you know not give a crap and go after guys and give Petey some protection you know on that line At the same time digging out pucks Petey the playmaker It's, it's got some it's got the makings to have some some nice chemistry
2: yeah, and that's going to the net, going in behind the net for retrievals, acting like a bowling ball out there, protecting Petey, protecting Brock. I I think that line has some serious potential, and Furlan knows his role on that line and he knows what to do. Right, Ferlin had a pretty good year in Carolina for the first two thirds of last year, and then he kind of ran out of gas a little bit. But um, I I I think he'll I think he'll fit in well with those guys, and I, I'm also really stoked on J T. Miller. Even tonight, man, like, for the limited minutes that he had, that guy just knows how to enter a zone. Like, going through the neutral zone, he doesn't mess around. He's just like, I'm going through this zone, I'm going with speed, and I'm going to get that zone entry any way I can. And I really like watching him do that. Because there's a lot of guys, like, on this team who, who struggled with that last year. So if we can have a forward who at least gets into that zone and establishes the attack... That's gonna help. I don't necessarily know if if that's a guy who's gonna be sh- who's going going to be or should play with Horvat moving forward, but I think it it kind of helps. Yeah, he was playing tonight with Horvat and yeah. Goldobin, right? Yeah, uh, I
4: I I really like Tyler Myers from what I saw in this uh, in the practices and scrimmages. I thought that between him and Quinn Hughes, to me, there's two guys on the back end now that. Are going to you know help push a lot of offense from the back end. I
2: really believe that. Yeah, and then I'd like to see those two guys quarterbacking power plays. Yeah. Quinn on PP1 and Myers on PP2. I don't want to see Edler quarterback another power play on the Canucks. Yeah, he should um, But I do think that Myers has the ability in his game to help Edler, right? If, if they are a pairing, and we saw them pair together in this training camp, the Towers. Yeah, the Towers. <laughs> I, I think, you know, all Edler has to do is get that puck over to Myers and Myers can be clapping all day. One thing that Myers did really well was just get the shot off fast, man, from the back end. Like he, the, people would get him the puck and it would just be boom towards the net every time, very quickly.
4: I mean, if we look at last year's defense, really, until Quinn Hughes came in at the end, there was nobody pushing any offense. I'm sorry, Ben Hutton, you weren't cutting it. You, could, you can't – that's just not in his repertoire just yet, and they know it. That's why yep. they didn't sign – that's why they didn't give him the contract because they need the type of play that Tyler Myers can bring, the type of play that Quinn Hughes can bring from the back end well, offensively. And, well, yeah, yeah, you need to be a threat back
2: there, right? There to needs to be yeah. a, a, a shot, a, a threat of a shot, and there hasn't been for a while. So to to bring a guy like Quinn who can move the puck up the ice who has great vision great playmaking ability that's a smart move but to bring a guy like Myers in who has those offensive skills already and has the threat of a shot coming from the back end, that's another facet on that power play that uh, opposing teams will have to learn how to defend not just Edler, the threat of Edler a shot, nobody was worried yeah. about it yeah
0: Canucks were among the lowest in teams that getting shots through. Mm-hmm. last year yeah, and getting those second opportunities as well. And Tyler Myers comes in. He had the best rate among NHL defensemen in primary assists during power play, during five on four. So he knows how to do that. They're- Another thing that impressed me about Tyler Myers at camp is for a big guy, how well, how quickly he can move. You know, some guys look awkward. Yeah. Some guys look like, uh, I don't know, a crane or something out there. Just when they're that size, how good is he defensively? I don't know. Are you guys going to have Hughes and – Edler out there at the same time, I mean, sorry, Myers, two guys who are more on offensive-minded. Mm-hmm. Is he a step-up defensively than Gabranson?
2: Oh, 100%. I, I don't even think that's debatable. <laughs> we love like, Gabranson. No, but the the I, I, I just, I, like, I, the the upgrade on defense is, is clear. You know, Myers is a step-up. Um, Hughes is a step-up. Jordy Benton brings an element oh. to this team on the back end that this team desperately needs you know and he's a sandpaper guy and one thing i really liked about jordy ben all camp you could hear him you could hear him on the ice he he just he's yelling at his 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 d partner he's yelling at the forwards he's letting everybody know where he is and him and stetcher i think both do that really well on this team they're both very good communicators
0: jordy ben was hurting guys in exhibition tonight uh, he yeah. he's the boss back there you know he's the uh, the warden i would like you know and and He's the bull. I mean, he was hitting guys and hitting him hard. He took a roughing penalty, but you're not going to go near him next time. If you're a player in the offensive zone and he crushes you like that, he cross-checks. During the penalty kill, he was throwing guys out. Like, it's a force field. It just, uh, what an addition. And he's just so proud to play for the Canucks. He's in Victoria in his hometown as well, and the fans cheering him. You can't even get near his beard. It just deflects you. He just throws you to the ice. I mean, (laughs) it was so nice to see that the Canucks had some guy, somebody back there with that added toughness, grit, and he can bring some stuff offensively as well.
2: He got the second biggest pop of the night, hey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, by far and away. There was, like, a couple, like, wrestler pops (laughs) in this in this ring i I thought stone cold was in the building when when they introduced matthew phillips you couldn't even hear cliff uh introduce the other winger on that on that top line because everybody was cheering for matthew phillips for so long yeah it was amazing and then ben comes up and he gets like a a rock pop i got jordy ben here
4: talking about uh coming home thanks marlon for getting this clip
2: when the Canucks called uh, my agent, my agent called me, it was, uh, it came, uh, it was pretty surreal that uh, it was uh, the Canucks were calling and wanted me to come play. And Obviously, growing up watching the Canucks and, and being a huge fan of them and, and getting the chance to put the jersey on, it's
0: is pretty special for me and my family.
4: You know what I loved about Jordy Ben tonight and watching him in the scrimmages and the practices? The guy knows what he is you know he's he's not gonna try and make that ridiculous pass I love some of the passes he made in the game tonight as well just solid you know just stick to stick stuff that Eric Branson can't do stuff that Alex Edler does maybe once every three games like just a solid pass out of your zone just make the make the simple play and that's what your that's what this guy brings, I think. I, I really believe that. I and I think Alex Souther can take a leaf out of his book.
2: We we saw a lot of transition drills this weekend of uh, specifically focusing on D men making those passes and getting those pucks up to those wingers through the neutral zone after they disrupted a play. I saw a lot of that. Um and Myers and Ben were both stood out in, in that facet. And you know what? We haven't talked about him yet really that much. But Levy, um, you know, he, he was a huge question mark coming into this camp with his knee and all that in, those injuries and stuff. And although he didn't play tonight, and although they kind of had him limited, he didn't necessarily jump off the page t- to me as a player. But it was good to see the fact that he was mobile enough to go out there and not look like a liability there's a lot of guys out there who who don't necessarily look like they are NHL ready they're gonna sit in the AHL I think you levy is gonna probably start in the AHL but he looks like he has that potential to make that jump pretty quickly
4: what'd you see from Ole you levy there Marlon
0: not much jump uh, after that uh, grueling first uh, day one of training camp, we're at the end. He, he was laboring. At one point, he's reaching down. We're making too much of it now because we're watching him like a hawk, but he grabbed his right knee that he had, you know, that surgically repaired back in uh, November. And this guy hasn't played a game in, what, 10 months? I, what is it? I mean, yeah. it, it's a long time. And for him to come in and try to, to be in that kind of game shape, uh, kudos for him for, for staying. You know, staying out there, st- still doing the bag skate. I watched him get through it, um, but then uh, when he was relegated to the Utica group, he was just going through the paces. He didn't look to be laboring, and but he didn't have any jump. There was no spark left. I, he's just just gonna get through it and and get it done. But it's- I, you know what? See how he is now. Once he gets his conditioning up. If he's going to be healthy, he had a great start to Utica last season. Yeah, 13 it, points in like 18 games. Yeah, That's right. really good. Yeah. That's very good. So if he puts in a solid year, if they, get, they need call-ups, he's going to be the first on their list to bring up and see what he can do. Do you
4: think he's going to be on this squad
0: on the team at some point this year? I think he
2: should be on this team by the end of the year. Yeah. Like, he should be a mainstay on on that back end. I find a
4: lot of Canucks fans are, like, writing him off. He's, what, 21 years old? Yeah, he's so young. Already writing him off?
2: Yeah, he's so young, and he got picked fifth overall for a reason. Like, there are good things about Ole Levy's game. It's just the poor guy has been riddled with just, like, unforeseen circumstances and bad luck. And uh, sometimes that happens, and sometimes it takes a guy – a little longer to get to where he needs to go. But the unfortunate thing about all this is, you know, like we talked about with Vertan and earlier him being a sixth overall pick, people measure them by where they're taken, right? So being fifth overall and having a guy like Matthew Kachuk go immediately after you, steps in the NHL, makes an impact right away, people are calling him a bust because of that comparison.
0: Who do you see him replacing then? I think the top six is pretty much locked in. When you look at Myers and Edler, Hughes and Stetcher, Jordy Ben, Chris Tanev, who's hoping to put in a – there's another story there with his new equipment that he's got, you know, extra shin pads and everything. Now you've got – Who's that sixth defenseman? Who's the seventh seventh D that he would be then replacing. Well,
2: yeah, but, I mean, there's guys on this team with their injury history that I don't trust, right? Like, I mean, you've had Alex Edler, who's been consistently in and out of the lineup – you have Chris Tanev, like you said, he got his custom gear this year, his custom shin pads that have more padding in them or whatever, but he has not been able to stay healthy over these seasons. There's somebody is going to not be in this lineup for 82 games. And, I mean, Oliu Ulevi should be able to beat out a guy like Alex Biega to come in and take a spot. Tevez, Vandenberg, you know? there's – Yeah. Yeah. Vandenberg's uh, another guy who's interesting. Tevez yeah. scored tonight. That yeah. was Pretty everybody. Eagle.
4: Everybody really liked Brogan Rafferty's I, camp. As well. I thought
2: Brogan Rafferty, aside from the NHL guys, I thought he was the the most solid guy back there tonight. Interesting. Tevez's goal was nice, but he had a lot of trouble in his own end. He was he was chasing the puck quite a bit. I think
4: this defense, though, everybody still wants to know or is hoping that Quinn Hughes
2: is.
0: The man. Everybody's got him penciled in. He's playing. Yeah, I mean the, the headlines are he's 100. days yeah. in each Yeah, and
2: <laughs> yeah, and he looks like it
0: when it, when you when you meet him in in person and you see the you know quads like is thick. It's yeah. not just he's just uh, a young little kid. He's built. He's ready to go.
2: That was the other thing this weekend when Quinn Hughes <laughs> embarrassed Bertanen on yeah. a one on one drill. Bertanen ended up on his ass out in front of the net. And everybody was just giving him the hardest time, being like oh, Quinn Hughes danced around him. It's like, yeah, of course he did. Quinn Hughes dances around everybody. Yeah. You know, we saw that in 3-on-3 overtime last year. The guy's, he's he's a phenom out there, the way he skates. That's that's talent on a completely different level. There's a lot of expectations for this kid, though. He was asked by the media,
4: does he expect to be NHL Rookie of the Year?
0: Uh, yeah, obviously it's a goal, but there's a lot of great players out there. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm just going to try my best, and wherever wherever I land is, you know, how it's going to go. But definitely a goal. But like I said, you know, it's a great league, a lot of players out there, and um, you know, I'm just going to try to take it game by game. The follow-up question was about his brother and if they would have like a little call to rivalry going on. His brother Jack, by the way, two goals with the Devils mm-hmm. on uh, the Monday night. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that sibling rivalry.
4: Yeah. And I listened to the answer to that, and he he wasn't having it at all. He's like, I don't give a shit what my brother is doing, is what he said. <laughs> but come on, Quinn. We know. We know. Yeah. i just saying there's a lot of pressure on the kid. But you know what? It's cool that the Canucks have these prospects, and it actually looks like you know, there's players that could come up, even if there's a fucking, and there will be, uh, injury to Tanev and Edler. You know one or two of those guys are going to go down. You got. Well, you know. people are
2: going to go down all up and down this roster. You know, it's yeah. not necessarily going to be those two guys specifically, it's but gonna be those, two. those guys. I mean, they've shown that they're prone to it, right? Yeah. And I mean, another guy like Sutter, Mister Pilates, right? Who actually stood out to me at this camp. I thought he he looked really good. I thought oh. Sutter, Tanner Pearson, both those guys stood out um, in in my mind watching them uh, out there doing all the drills and the scrimmages and skates and everything. Um, you worry about Sutter, you worry about Berchi, right, with his concussion issues and health, and you do wonder, like, who's going to step in. But the depth this season with all these guys here, I, th- I, I think the depth is a lot higher than it has been years previous for, for who potentially can step in and take a
0: rollover. Well, how much did Horvat play last year, right? Yeah. And he's still produced. So if you pull back on his minutes, put him into into times and situations where he's going to excel, Yeah. and now Sutter doesn't have to come and be a second-line, center, first-line anymore. It's Yeah, he's he, third now. Yeah, he's third. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing to have a guy come out, kill a penalty, come out, yeah. take those face-offs. Remember, what did Jim Benning say about Sutter? I mean he's a guy you, you build a team around, right? <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's what he said back in the day. <laughs> oh. I think he's regretting that. We'll a little egg little on bit. the face for that one, hey, <laughs> Jim Benning.
4: Yeah. Uh, I just um I think that the Canucks do have a lot of depth. And I don't I've never believed that in the past, but maybe I'm drinking a little bit of the Jim Benning Kool-Aid here. Are you guys as well? Do you think this team has improved enough by watching some of these depth players that they've brought in? Furland, Miller, Ben. Myers, are these guys enough to push them to a playoff spot?
2: I think some of those guys last year who came in, like Levo and Pearson, matter a lot more than people are giving them credit for. I think Pearson matters huge. Uh, That guy should be on a second line with Bo all season, and he should produce like he did when he came in here. If he can do that, and the Canucks have legitimate one, two lines that are scoring goals, scoring threats, power play specialists, then I think they're in a lot better shape than um, you know a lot of people might think. But those guys on the third line need to be knocking. Your Vertanans need to be knocking. Your Levos need to be knocking. Your uh, Bar- Berchies I- either need to be <laughs> on two or three. Goldobin needs to find himself a spot on this team if he can. I think that guy is kind of bound for a press box. And then your fourth line guys, right, like your Schallers, your Mots, these kind of guys should be out there banging night in night out roussel still on the long-term injured reserve and when he gets back that guy's gonna be a dog on a bone like everybody knows how he plays so there is a lot of depth on this team kind of heading into this year i think more so than we've seen before
0: power plays big yeah that could win you say another five six games this season that's another 10 points they went into the huge slump that at the end of last year, right? That push you into the playoffs. They hit 12 yeah. goals in their last 16 games. Uh, this is not enough down the stretch for them. And, uh, you know, Pedersen was talking about it on Sunday, just about not uh, not to make the home run, run pass all the time, just trying to make simple plays. Um, it felt like, you know, they didn't come up with good chances. That and the fact that they had, I think it was 27 different groupings. Yeah. due to all the injuries, their man advantage last year. Coupled with the fact that they didn't have a quarterback yeah. for the power play. When you look at teams like Tampa and Washington, those, those guys haven't changed their power play in, what, three years? I mean, they're just going to come and steamroll you. So Vancouver has an opportunity here to bring in some guys that can get the offense, get the puck to the net, and get those secondary chances where a J.T. Miller guy comes in, Furland comes in. Now you guys yeah. got guys at the front of the net. And and Miller is also a playmaker. Yeah, you saw the pass to to Bo Horvath for that goal in the that exhibition was
2: such game. Such a nice pass.
0: It's it's can't you can't help but improve the numbers on the man advantage and that special teams is a difference in so in, in, in every game. I mean, who wins a special team battle usually comes up with the two points at the end of the night.
2: Yeah, and I I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. And and I think the the changes that they made in personnel and also with drafting a guy like Quinn Hughes, um, and and bringing Myers in is is gonna certainly improve that power play to a point where um, you know it will win them a few more. It should, like unless it's run so inefficiently, like so criminally inefficiently, that that it it doesn't. But like. Yeah, those guys should be having spots on that power play. Like, people who think that the power play is going to look the same as it does last year, it's not. It's going to change, you know?
4: I think one of the biggest things when we talk about depth here, when I look at the makeup of this team now, outside of really, when you look at the Fords, especially in the top six, there's only three guys who can be confident where they are. And Brock Besser, he has a short-term deal now. He can't feel that confident. He hasn't even played a full season in the NHL. You got Bo Horvat, who, by all stretch and purposes, this guy is working to get better every year, right? And we've seen it.
2: Yeah, I, then, I think he's poised for another monster year. Like I think he he is going to improve again on what his totals were last year. And then you got Elias
4: Pettersson, who, I for me, the biggest story of this camp possibly was just how he took the ball. By the horns and was like, I'm the best player on this team, and I'm going to come out and I'm going to try harder than everybody else too, right?
0: We watched him lead the bag skates by yeah. a country mile, and they're all like, "Hey, take it easy here, like slow yeah. down a little, like make, keep it close." <laughs> Scores some pretty goals for the fans. I saw a rejuvenate, rejuvenated Elias Patterson. Yeah, he, and then how he just dealt with the media as well. He's just calm. He's just he's so much more mature. All that that he went through last year and how he just you could see the burnout in him you know in the back half of the season he is ready to go and it's it's going to be pretty scary to see what he can do with this team.
4: Uh Green talking about Elias Petterson and how he kind of took the bull by the horns.
1: Yeah I think that's that's always what you're hoping out of your young guys is they uh, slowly develop into the leaders of your team and um, you know as a second year guy I, I have no worries about Petey becoming better in all areas of his game and We've had a lot of good conversations of being you know, one of our best players on the ice, in the locker room, in the weight room, every, every part of his, of his game and part of being a pro. So he's a driven kid and he wants to do well and he's going to do well.
4: I just thought it was really impressive how a second year kid who knows he's the face of the franchise to take a Sedine approach to the training camp that's what I thought was really impressive So him
0: and Green didn't have talks in the offseason they didn't you know chat about certain goals they wanted to reach <laughs> and then get relegated to <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I just
2: I just think PD just impresses with everything he does I mean even at like the NHL Awards you know the way he accepted that speech with like such grace for being the rookie of the year making the shout out to Jason Botchford. Um, you know, a big loss in Canucks media. Every single thing that PD does impresses me, basically. And, and you know, like, rookies, a lot of rookies, like, don't forget, this guy came over last year, and he played in the Swedish Elite League before that, and he came in. This was his first year in the NHL. He didn't have any benchmarks to, to gauge his season by. He, he'd never been there before. Right, It's kind of like if you go like on a jog or a bike ride and it's the first time you've ever ran that route or r- ridden that route, you don't know how much further you have. You don't know when you can push and you don't know when you can let off the gas a little bit if you need to recuperate. Now he knows. Now he has those benchmarks and he understands what he can get out of a full season. And I think he'll be better this season for that. You know, He did run out of gas a little bit towards the end of, of last season, but sometimes you don't know how far that road is until you've traveled it at least once before.
0: I think he's grown, too. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, he's a 100%. bit taller. Nobody's asking him what his weight is this year, either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was buried, I guess, a long time ago. But There
4: was the jokes about the Captain America thing. They were calling him Captain America on social media because he had bulked up and stuff, right? right?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh,
4: you know, one of the greatest sports quotes I think I've ever heard was from Kobe Bryant. He said, The difference between greats, between good and great." Is want and I really feel like the star players for the Canucks right now have that you know so and I and watching Elias Pedersen come into camp and dominate like he has not resting on any laurels from his first year anything like that uh, really impresses me that's 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 one of the biggest takeaways from the camp I saw and it's kind of a round about what I was trying to get to the point was those three guys which I don't think we have to worry about uh, you know they they're not going to rest on their laurels. They want to get to the next level. But every other spot on the Canucks is up for grabs, really. Like every player can come out and grab the bull by the horns and take it because there's so much
2: competition right now. You're loving this bull by the horns talk yeah, today. I gotta stop hey. saying that. Eh? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, I think Quinn Hughes is another guy, right? He's and he's been raised in a hockey pedigree. Mm-hmm. You know, his his dad did a whole bunch of work with the Maple Leafs and stuff like that. His brother is is in the league he knows what it takes to get to where he is and i think he's another guy that you can lump in with those three as far as want is concerned um and and a core four like that is going to make a lot of their other players better because it's going to make them believe that they can achieve something like this going into this season i i i haven't been this excited for a canuck season in a while i i think there's a lot of good pieces here and they could easily make a push for a playoff spot.
0: We haven't I mean, seen depth like this in years. Yeah. Three, four years? Why, well, yeah, 2015? Yeah. When the, you know.
4: But I, and I'm a true believer, though, as well, in the, you're really only as good as your best players, too. Like, yeah. they, got, they have to take, they have to take it. I was just about to say it again.
0: The <laughs> best players have to be your best players. They do in, on night a, a nightly basis. Yeah, and then you got to have those other guys that come through that uh, you know are on the fringe, trying to earn a spot, come in and and, and produce. And then injuries when they happen. And hey, this is Canuckland, there'll be injuries.
4: There will be. And another thing I wanted to say is, and I think it's it's a it's a play by management and coaching right now that there is no captain on this team because they want their star players to also, you know, take it as well. And I think we saw Petey, you know, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well. Another big story was just how great he was with fans around Victoria, right? Yeah, signed autographs
2: for over an hour yeah.
4: after signed he was
0: a, on the ice. Signed a baby.
2: Yeah. Uh,
4: we we do have a clip of Petey um, uh, talking about how he was you know a young kid once as well and he he remembers that and that's why he uh went out of his way to sign autographs
1: uh i'm just happy days they, they look up to me because uh, i've been that kid too and i was too nervous to to ask when i i remember when i saw lidstrom i was too nervous to ask him so so i just trying to make their day and sign out sign a hat or jersey or whatever but just fun to meet meet guys kids because it brings them a smile to their face and especially
3: on mine as well
4: for me that was one of the biggest stories of training camps so of course you had the jake for Tan and hoopla up and down you got the brock besser signing you got Petey just showing up and being the man seriously and i yeah. think that's that
2: can't be understated
4: for a guy who's only twenty years old,
2: right? So, so, what do you guys think it'll take for you personally to 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 believe that this team has arrived? Because I I definitely have a benchmark that I I feel like if they can do it, then they have a really good shot at, at making the dance. And uh, you know, well, I think their star players Horvat,
4: Besser, Patterson, they all have to be close to a point per game. Yeah, and I think Quinn Hughes has to be everything we want him to be. Yeah, I there'll mean, be a, there'll be a playoff. Team you guys if that haven't happens.
0: even talked about goaltending.
4: That is that's totally another it's, understated comp That's an under. I said it to uh, Jeff Patterson actually. I was in the uh, he's the uh, beat reporter for TSN uh, Radio. I was saying that I think an underreported topic with this team is what's going on in net right now. Like we know Markstrom had the great season last year do we know if he's gonna have back-to-back season we've seen a lot of goalies in the nhl have one good season and then just fall flat on their face next uh and you got
2: thatcher demko who he's hungry he wants that number one spot too right that's good though it's good to have a guy who's as highly touted as demko as still and i like i mean everybody's well not everybody but a lot of people consider him a prospect and some people consider him the highest uh ranked goaltending prospect in the in the nhl Now that Carter hurts, you know, starting games in Philadelphia. But uh, it's good to have somebody who can make a goaltender a little uncomfortable and push them in there. I think Markey is going to have a good year. Um, and, And my measuring stick for this team personally is watching them in the Pacific Division against other teams. The San Jose Sharks have kicked the living shit out of the Canucks for the past five seasons. Like, their record is brutal. And if the Canucks can even split the series with them this year, that's when I think this team should start being taken a little more seriously.
0: Don't also, when you ask the question Art about if you think this team has made you know turned the corner and believable, they're facing a a Pacific Division that's suddenly a little weaker. I mean, Anaheim's had. You know Kessler out for this season. They've got they're they're suddenly in a bit of a mess. San Jose, a couple of guys mo- like they're older now. pavelski casualty as yeah. well. The Los yeah. Angeles Kings rebuilding a chance for for Vancouver here to feast on those teams. Yeah, get some more points. Get a couple winning streaks going. Mm-hmm. You know if if suddenly I see winning streaks and they can go on the road and win games, not just home. To me, that's when I think that this this team ha- has arrived and, and seeing a consistent play out of Markstrom with, with Demko pushing and the power play being in the top ten.
2: Yeah, those are all great points. I, I can't disagree with any of those.
0: Those are, Darn us but... trying to ruffle the feathers bit <laughs> here.
2: Well, I mean, like the, the eastern road swings, right? Like the Canucks, they really left a lot of points on the table last year in those eastern road swings. But a big part of that was schedule due to um, – Also, like the World Juniors happening in Vancouver and Victoria, right? So they had these longer extended road trips where there was a couple times where they ran out of gas on them. Their road schedule this year isn't nearly as much of a meat grinder as it was um, with the uh, World Juniors happening because it kind of condensed everything for them, right? So um, I, I, I do think that they will probably have more luck on the road, but they have to do damage in their division. And their division isn't as good as some of the other divisions in the league. And if you can feast on your Edmonton Oilers, your LA Kings, your Anaheim Ducks, um, then you have a much better chance. I don't think Calgary is going to be as good as they were last year. They seem like a team that might regress to me. And and, and one of the reasons I feel that way is their goaltending. I don't think their goaltending is up to snuff. They basically just d- traded goalies with Edmonton. And- but they got
0: Lucic now. Yeah,
2: see, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It, it's weird to even think that, right? But um, Vegas and San Jose seem like the teams that that are going to finish 1-2 in this division and the Canucks might sneak into three or Calgary might have that three spot and they might be battling for that all season long.
4: It's interesting because I have a lot of friends who are pretty positive about the Canucks right now. There are some that aren't. Vegas doesn't like the Canucks. Uh there's a lot of people who think these are just, you know, moves that they've made to that can't really put them into a spot to actually contend, just put them in a spot to maybe make the playoffs. And they see that as a step backwards, you know what I mean? Because they're not getting a top draft pick. That is real I know, I know you shake your head thinking about that, but some people think actually believe that.
0: They've added four players that instantly improve your team. I yeah. mean and and the younger guys taking a step forward and Petey coming back and healthy. So where other teams have taken some a step back in that division this is a team that's ready to take that next step. They just got to go out there and and Travis Green, I think has him on the right track. Yeah. I think he's a great coach for for where and he's a young guy, he gets it. The pace, the intensity. It's going to be some exciting Canucks hockey this season.
2: The floor has been raised and the ceiling has been raised as far as expectations are concerned. And I think that's a good thing for this team. The upgrades of Myers on D, Ben on D, those are upgrades. Hutton's gone. You know, like the D has improved. The forward group has improved. It's, I think a lot of people are really tentative about this team because they're scared of how it's going to shake out. Nobody knows how, how it's going to shake out. To me, that's exciting. But to a, 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 a city like Vegas who's got to give you the odds, mm-hmm. right? They're probably a little more worried about that than than the fans are.
4: Yeah. Anyways, I think I'm just – I haven't been this excited for a Canucks team in quite a
0: while, so I uh, – Which jersey did you buy tonight?
4: I'll tell you, <laughs> I saw a lot of jerseys out there tonight, a lot of strange – what's the strangest jersey you saw tonight? you always see strange jerseys. I, find, I saw the Victoria. Dave
0: Tiger Williams one. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. It wasn't under the strange category, but that's a flashback for me. You know, you know, the V Canucks jerseys. I saw a few of those. Those are styling. There was
4: a
2: Cam Neely jersey. That like
0: twenty one. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah twenty one.
0: Yeah. Uh Dixon Ward. Dixon-
2: <laughs> who has, Who has a Dixon Ward jersey? Yeah, seventeen. I was just like. Like, where where did this come from? Guys, this is the 50th season for the Canucks.
4: They changed up their jerseys, of course, right after I buy a jersey. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the new Canuck jerseys?
0: I have to see it when the whole team's wearing it. Yeah. I only saw the one graphic on Twitter. I need to see them skating around with it on. Like It's one thing to see it in, in a mock-up, but I need... That visual, so much, I can't pass. It
4: pretty much just is the same. They just took out Vancouver.
0: I'm that's, not a fan of seen. the cartoony hockey stick. I like the old fashioned straight hockey stick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the fact that that's off the shoulder pads is a bonus for me. Mm-hmm. How about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I ripped the jerseys. You did, Kerb. You I hated did. on them I right ri- here on between ri- the I, ri- I ripped them. the jerseys when I first saw them because I'm like, why are you just pulling out the Vancouver? You're just pulling out the Vancouver so you can sell more jerseys. Like that, there weren't major changes. That's a major change for me. Well, that pisses me off because I just got a jersey too and now it's already out of date. (laughs) And there isn't, like, the color scheme's the same. Everything else is the same. You just pull the Vancouver out and you throw the 50 on there. Granted, we saw them play with those jerseys tonight. They looked fine. They don't look that different than the one I have. I can wear that jersey to a game. I'm not going to stand out like a sore thumb. It's totally cool. I like the colors. They're great. The, The third alternate... I thought that's I, what we were talking about. I third actually, alternate, yeah. By the way. Oh, okay. No, we were talking. They just made a simple yeah.
4: jersey change, right? The year? the yeah.
2: third alternate without the shoulder pads, like the 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 shoulder crest pieces and mm-hmm. the rain pattern on the numbers. I actually think that jersey looks a lot better in person than it did when when they were showing off the concepts and designs. I saw a guy tonight wearing a Pedersen one of them, and I was like, yeah, it's it's
0: starting to grow on me a little bit. Yeah, to be yeah, honest, yeah. you guys haven't talked about the Oilers' third jersey.
4: Okay, so... I, I don't could, hate it. I don't hate it either. I had a friend who was texting me and said, these are ugly, and I'm like,
2: I kind of like them.
0: Yeah. They're better I than the it. orange. All orange?
2: Oh, the all orange yeah. ones now are gar... It's barf on a plate, man. <laughs> <laughs> Those jerseys are brutal. <sighs> You know what drives me, like... They you look know, like
0: pylons, sorry.
2: I, it's just, yeah, they look like pylons. <laughs> Lucic was a pylon out there when he was wearing them. But, like, honestly, the thing that drives me nuts is, like, the Islanders and the Oilers have, like, the same color scheme. And I always see Islanders jerseys, and I'm like, those are nice. They're dialed in, you know? So it's not the colors. It's just the design. Whoever is in Edmonton is, like, they need to give their heads a shake. But the the the... The jersey that they unveiled this year, that's way nicer than the barf on a plate, I think. What do I know, though? Nothing, <laughs> Caleb Kirby. No. <laughs> uh,
4: we got to pretty much everything. We could talk about the Canucks for the next hour, and we've gotten over an hour. which is usually where we like to end our podcast. What, what about We're- Gold
0: How would you see him this weekend? Okay. I know I- – we- Gotta get through one more topic. We do need
4: to talk about Nikolai Goldobin. I know there's a lot of people pushing I'm for so this guy. I'm tired of talking about Nikolai Goldobin.
0: <laughs> he had some opportunities tonight. He tried to make some moves. In the I offensive saw some zone. free
4: Goldobin on Twitter as well tonight. <laughs> free okay. <laughs> <laughs> I we're not huge fans of Goldobin on between the Between the Stammers. I'm we not, just I,
2: haven't been. I, it's not that I'm not a fan of his. I just I just don't know where you put him. And it's just like they continue. You can't put him in a bottom six role, and he's not producing enough to remain in a consistent top I don't know, six. I know that role. one back check tonight. Tells hey, I, I saw here. the back. Hey, I noticed it. I was like, <laughs> "Good on you! Way to go and 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 get that back check done." But the power yeah, play guy. Yeah, but I mean, like you can't just hold a guy's spot if he's effective in one facet of the game. He has to be effective. 200 feet on the ice. The
0: animosity, could you imagine? You just go roll the guy out there for power play. Ugh. Penalty shot. Oh, Goldie. Yeah. It's like a designated hair. Well, hero. it's like yeah. Sheldon
2: Surrey. Remember him? He had a big shot, and they put him out on the power play. He wasn't yeah. that good of a defenseman. No, he wasn't. And they're just like, oh, Sheldon Surrey. He's got a big howitzer from the point. And they roll him out on the power play.
0: But, you know, they gave him every opportunity again this weekend. They signed him to that 1000 deal. And then they're like, okay, like you say, show me. Now, let's see. Can you do it? Have you done everything we talked about? Are you working on your back checking? Are you... Taking care of you're doing the two hundred foot game. So. He
4: has to be a top six forward. Is is he better than Furlan? Is he better than Miller? Is he better than Besser? Is he better than No, he's not Tanner Pearson. No. Is
2: he's he not. better than Berchie? Is he better I than I don't think he is. He's
0: healthier. He's got more skill than well, Berchie really ripped it up when he was with the Portland Winterhawks. I yeah. want to
4: see a full season of Sven Berchie.
0: That's that's
2: one of the things. But we're I'm, not going to. <laughs> I want to see a full season of Sven Berchi and Tanner Pearson playing with a guy like Horvat or something like that. Yeah. I, I I really think that those guys could have some chemistry. I I thought Pearson and Horvat's chemistry last season, for how limited it was, was incredible.
0: Nice hands by Levo tonight too.
2: Yeah. Levo's got a big league shot. He's uh, got to hit the net though, man. He does. Can't be sailing him over. But between
4: him and Tanner Pearson is really. Like, those are really understated moves, like you said earlier in this podcast. They are understated moves. They got those guys for nothing. Yeah. And they both look like they could play, you know. And they're hungry. On a second line. Yeah, and they're hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh We do want to get into some news around the NHL. Mitch Marner signing his six-year contract extension. Average annual value of 10 point eight nine three million uh, what were your thoughts on this
2: doug gilmore thing that everybody was saying oh they ended it in nine three because of doug gilmore I'm Oh, am like fuck no he didn't yeah. you know the best part about mitch marner <laughs> signing guys leafs fans man they're they're oh. crazier than canucks fans by yeah, like a so. country
4: mile guys the best part about mitch marner signing is we don't have to listen to a report that has a different ending like a, like i swear for the last month we've Watched a report on TSN or Sportsnet, leading off,
0: yeah, the leading off
4: about Mitch Marner when there has been no change. Like Mitch Marner changed, you know, his shirt today. Like that was the change in the report. That's the best part about Mitch Marner signing.
0: All oh, for the least though, they've really gone in heavy. I mean, now with the knee, you know, on top of the Nylander signing, Matthews, oh. you've got John Tavares. Mm-hmm. Where this team needs to produce now.
2: Morgan Riley. Morgan, Morgan Riley, Riley needs Riley. a contract. He right? needs it's a contract.
0: Like, yeah. They huh, they've really invested a lot in several guys and it's handcuffed them for the for the rest of the team. So time is now. Time's ticking. I don't think they, they expected Mitch Marner to have the year that he had, right? No one really expected that. Man is
2: that. he fun to watch though. He's one of <laughs> the funnest players to watch in the league mm-hmm. in my opinion. He he's he's just dynamic and he finds he's like a younger Patrick Kane. He just finds, like, open ice and creates and has a good shot and just is smart. Like, I, I love watching Mitch Marner, and it sucks because I don't like the Leafs, but, like, he is a fun player to watch. <laughs> that, I'm just saying it's a bit of a benchmark deal, though. Yeah. Don't oh, you yeah. think? Yeah. Yeah, I, well, it's so close to Matthews' money, right? $22 million in in two players. Yeah. And then what did Nylander get? Nine? Yeah. Right. That's thirty-one million. Well, they got four guys in the top. What and you got Tavares? Dozens. Whatever
4: he gets paid, right? Yeah. He gets paid a lot. Yeah. So they got a lot of players in, or they got a lot of money tied up in just a few players.
2: Yeah, they 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 basically have handcuffed themselves to be in a win now mode. They got to get it
0: done soon. Canucks in three years, four.
2: Yeah. Hey, maybe. Well, man, Canucks though, like they got some.
0: to sign. They got Patterson. S- Sorry. Such a
2: good <laughs> deal on <laughs> Horvat though, Marlin. Horvat's making like nothing, five point five million. He's yeah. making.
0: He's the best deal going right now. He might Talk- be the best
2: deal going in the NHL. Konecki,
0: or-
4: Konecki, is that, is that how you pronounce that yeah. Travis Konecki? Yeah, he got signed for the same amount of money as what Bo Horvat makes annually today. And I saw that I was like, easily Bo Horvat's the best deal in the NHL. If that's what, oh, that's a question did. we well, didn't. Sidney Crosby
2: should have asked him today. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's making, like what? He's at like eight, eight something. Okay, he's the best, yeah. Right? Yeah. so
4: um, One other news note from the NHL. Uh, good news for hockey fans. There can't be a potential work stoppage until after the 2021-22 season. The NHL Players Association has announced it will not reopen the current collective bargaining agreement after the 2019-20 season. So that's next this season coming up here. The deadline to announce that decision was today. That's good, right? Because... We all know how the NHL likes to go on break with these collective bargaining
2: agreements. I think I think it's good for another reason too. They're they're about to expand, and Seattle coming in as an expansion team. Like, w- imagine the wind out of the sails in a in a market like in a brand new market entirely when they come in and they start and they play, and then the next season they're like, nope,
0: you'll no, have no to NHL. wait. Yeah, that would just that would be such a. Big black eye on the the whole thing. That the fa I mean, they still have some things to figure out in regards to it. I mean when it comes to escrow when it comes to Olympics, for example. Yeah. Where do you go with that? Right. Mm-hmm. So uh mm-hmm. the usual Collective things, bargaining. you know, rear their ugly heads. So and Bo Horvat's taking that over now instead of Gabranson, right, who had it for, you know, was the Representative for the yeah, Canucks, yeah, so yeah. Bo stepping up another leader. Yeah, captain in, move. If you want to look into that a that little Trevor bit, Trevor Linden more. type move. There. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about how Linden would have enjoyed this right now. You know, <sighs> I thought about him tonight. Is a, that
4: still a question that needs to be answered by the Canucks management? What happened there? Right.
0: That's another hour. We could get into.
4: <laughs> Kirby doesn't seem to never thought it was a big deal, but I thought it was a pretty big deal. I did,
2: I I just think the narrative there is a little contrived. I think it's it's because he is so highly viewed in the community and everything like that. Ambassador, and nobody wanted to see Trevor Linden turn into a villain running this team. Nobody, and it was close there when they weren't getting anything done and you know if if they continue to miss the playoffs if they miss the playoffs for 5 straight years heads are going to roll somewhere and people are going to turn the blame onto a guy like lennon i think lennon's too highly uh viewed in the community and as a Canuck for anybody to let that happen right so i think that's part of the reason why he left you know all right, all right. i could be wrong you're usually wrong. Let's be honest.
4: This you had another
0: fitness uh, a fitness building to open up.
4: Yeah. Uh, big news for Between the Stamvers as well. We have a Twitter account now. Yeah, we have, have like six followers.
2: That'll change. What is it, Kayla Curry? What's it's our Twitter uh, account? Between the S. That's it, eh? That's all you get. That's like Dude, could get It's like between the sheets, man well, like, <laughs> yeah. I know Well, like, the, the problem was is our Between the Stammers is too long It's, like, has to be a 15-character maximum right. And Between the Stammers is too long You know, our name, our podcast name We should have thought about it a little bit more Rather than just listening to a person who's like Oh, you guys stammer a lot You should call up Between the Stammers And we're like, okay
0: <laughs> I thought it was Between the Stanchions The first time I heard you guys talking about it Yeah but, mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. still too long. Yeah,
2: it's yeah. still too long. Yeah.
0: All right, between the S, uh, uh, Twitter, at between the S. So yeah, so fo- message your give- comments, follow. Yeah. Uh, You guys are going to be, like, you know, harping on guys. Or, you know, uh, if you follow Caleb on Twitter, man, he really likes to give it to guys. So, uh, he really <laughs> does. That's entertaining. He has epic rants. Especially during the Canucks game. So He's I, got epic <laughs> rants on Twitter. Um,
2: okay. Uh, and one thing we didn't touch on, actually, that I'd like to touch on real quickly if you guys have time. Oh, my God. Um Matthew Phillips coming back to Victoria, Victoria Royals, and the season, the outlook on the season, Marlon. How are you feeling about it? That was going to be my next question.
0: Matthew Phillips, former captain of the Victoria Royals, gets to come back and play in Victoria for his hometown team, the Calgary Flames. He's from Calgary, played in the American Hockey League last year, could have played as a 20-year-old. There was always talk that he might come back, didn't. He got Ton of ice time, assisted on uh, the goal tonight. The goal. Uh, yeah, Dube, who was uh, part of the Kelowna Rockets team. Uh, those two grew up together in Calgary playing minor hockey. They're buddies. They played together in the American Hockey League last year. Anyways, a big tribute to Matthew Phillips tonight from the Save on Foods Memorial Center. He's all smiles post game when we chatted with him, just grinning ear to ear. He had the time of his life tonight. You could tell the fans loved him, cheered whenever he was on the ice, when he made moves, when he tracked Tanov down, remember, in the offensive yeah. zone, stripped the puck, forced the turnover, got another scoring chance. He was a thorn in the Canucks' side tonight. He impressed. So, yeah, that was a really cool story. That was the other local story here in uh, Victoria tonight, aside from the Canucks news, was Matthew Phillips. And how are the Royals looking this year? Well, Mm -hmm. they're returning a lot of guys that are a year older. They've also um, have moved on about half the team. So a lot of new faces. They have three 20-year-olds that were acquired. Just in the last couple of weeks. This is a rarity. Maybe the first time in the Western Hockey League that you have three overagers. Usually they're ones that have been through the entire, you know, as a 16- or 17-year-old that comes in. Um, So they've got Will Warm as a defenseman. They have Shane Farkas as a a netminder. And up front, Gary Hayden, a goal scorer. Lots of changes, lots of turnover, but a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm with the Royals this year. They're going to be a bit more veteran team. They're going to go up against a very difficult Vancouver Giants squad that didn't lose too many pieces. They got Trent Miner back now as well uh, from uh, NHL camp, and the Kelowna Rockets are hosting the Memorial Cup, also in the BC Division. They are building their team. Calops looks like they've taken a big step forward. It's going to be a very much improved BC division, but the Royals, I think, should fare well. And right now, not much talk is about them. So maybe let's keep it that way. Maybe undersell, Mm -hmm. over deliver.
4: Yeah. Uh, Marla Martin, the play by play voice of the Victoria Royals. Uh, When's the start of the season? When's the first game?
0: September 21st. All right. Always on my birthday, it seems.
2: Here's. Oh, nice. Nice. On the road in Everett. That's next Saturday. Yep. Yeah. Seeing the tips. Question. My, Matthew, more questions yeah Caleb well Matthew Kirby. Phillips it was so nice to see him come back to the rink tonight and I loved I loved when like he got the pop from the fans in the arena it was it was deafening by the it way Caleb
4: Kirby was playing fan in the press box today oh it, dude
2: I had to for Phillips
0: it was just so for good for the see. flames <laughs> it was just
2: so good to see man hey the thing is is too it, he got that huge pop and yeah. even as he's skating circles Dube comes by and he's like, "Hey, listen to this. This is pretty cool." Gives him a little tap on the ass with a stick, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: But um, and they had been bugging him all day. Yeah. If they were gonna do something for him, they're like, "Yeah, yeah." They'll they were giving it to Philly.
2: What's your take on this? Do you think Matthew Phillips is the most loved royal to ever put on the jersey? Like, I, I personally, I think it's like between him and maybe Hicketts. Oh man, you got to. Oh, I
0: was gonna say there's. Joe Hicketts, yeah. because he's the only Royal that's ever played in the NHL. Yeah, and he gold was medalist. a media darling, won a gold medal the World Juniors. Griffin Outhouse, uh, in it's recent memory, one. of course, is is right up there. So I think those guys are top three. I mean, we can go back further to guys like Brandon McGee, and uh, you know when the Royals came in uh, because Kevin you start, Sander. you start those guys start fading into the laurels of history with the Victoria Royals, but none of the guys moved on to. You know, the also go into the show like the way that Joe Hickets has had a, you know a cup yeah. of coffee now in the NHL, and um, so the way that when when guys are underrated or small or overcome things, people have got their backs. They like an underdog story, like a Matthew Phillips who's only five seven, right? And yeah. and play had a great American Hockey League second half, poised to show. Guy like the the Windows 10 error message. Yeah. Um, yeah, That's uh, that was me. Sorry, okay, guys. Sorry. You're not allowed to go on that website, Aaron. Let the Art. league in scoring, too, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> that's like, let's, <laughs> let's,
2: let's not undersell Matthew Phillips' accomplishments in the WHL. 50-goal season right? one year,
0: WHL Rookie of the Year, yeah. had another 49 goals, I believe. Yeah. another. He could have played a few more games, I think, that season,
2: 110-point season, is that correct?
0: It was, uh, it was 60. I think he had 100. I think it was a f- one one time. Um, so he's, he's ripped it up. He's, you know what, he led the Max Midget Tournament. He's got the record for most points. Sidney Crosby's played in that tournament. Yeah. Max Midget Tournament holds the record for most points. Look this guy up, Matthew Phillips, and see that how he's proved everybody wrong at every single level. Yeah, he had a slow start to his American Hockey League career at just 20, but you look at his size, taking everything he's accounted for, and he's continually proved people wrong every level he's played. Don't be surprised if a guy who's two inches Smaller than Johnny Goudreau cracks an NHL lineup?
4: He yeah, had, I think it is like, it's over 250 points, like 253 points or something in 213 WHL games.
0: I am
2: not a Flames fan by any means, but I am rooting for this guy so hard to make this team. And you know what? If he does, I am going to cheer him on.
0: Can't help it. He, yeah. he can't, oh, he's got a big smile on his face, and he's such yeah. a lovable character. So. I
4: do have a clip of us talking to him here.
0: And he made time to see us. Today. We're
4: gonna get the actual questions. This is me it's, in the background. It's going, pretty hey. cool to
0: watch, and I don't know how I look, but I was probably grinning here to here watching it. But uh, really special, and uh, it brings back a lot of memories. And I've I've changed a lot since I first came here, and but at the same time, a lot of things don't change. And I have so many good things to say about Victoria. What do you think of the ovation you got? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, I've heard this this uh, arena pretty loud, and that was up there, so uh, it was pretty sweet. And like I said, the fans are awesome. Did you know if
4: they
0: were gonna do anything? I had no idea. The boys were giving me a hard time all day. So there was stuff like that gonna happen, but um, yeah, kind of caught me by surprise.
4: Matthew Phillips after the game, he had, he looked good during this game too. There was a few Stood out. there was a few moments where I was like. How did that not go in? You know, like he was right Johnny on the spot.
0: Played the full power play. Stayed out the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had a couple had, close chances. that Almost went in for him. Set up that one goal. Yeah.
4: He also rubbed out Chris tannov on the boards. And I was like, uh-oh, you're going to injure Chris tanner <laughs> Matthew Phillips. <laughs> not Seriously. an exhibition. Come on. Yeah. I mean, every time Chris tannov gets touched, I kind of feel like he's up for an injury. But anyways, yeah. Matthew Phillips, that was fun. Marlon Martins, uh, where can we find you online, man? Besides, of course... Uh, the Royals broadcast on the Zone at ninety-one
0: three. Uh, on Twitter at Voice Vic Royals. Yeah, that's about it. I stay off Facebook generally, yeah. but smart man.
4: We, yeah. Smart call. And hey, the season starts next Saturday,
0: the twenty-first in Everett. Nice. Yeah. Uh,
4: Caleb Kirby, who also does, uh, is part of the Royals broadcast at times, color as well as being part of Between the Stammers. Where can we find you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: at Curveman23
4: on Twitter I going to say at the at Strathcona but. at the Strathcona yeah um, and if you want to email us
2: you can read, reach us at BetweenTheStammers at gmail.com yeah
4: and you can find me at Art Aronson on all social media platforms
0: thanks it's, for having me guys yeah
2: thanks for joining us and thanks for the haws.
0: yeah they went down too fast
2: set a new gold standard <laughs> in guests <laughs> now anybody who comes on uh, Between the Stammers
0: has to bring beer that's the way it is not a bad trade off yeah